Today on Podcast by the Bay, an exclusive interview with current Burlingame Mayor Michael Brownrigg. It does not behoove you if you care about getting something done. If all you want to do is cut ribbons and preside over meetings and look like a big shot, well, that's easy. You can do all that. But if you actually want to get something done and make the city better, um, then you have to work together with your colleagues because you have to get at least two other votes, if not more, to get something done. Discussing his vision for Burlingame and the future to come. We have put in motion this, I think, really profoundly innovative uh, affordable housing parking structure dynamic. We have the opportunity to create a town square, which I think would be fabulous for the people of Burlingame. We have an opportunity to create um, an eight-acre park out on the bayside. So what I like and what I feel that we have been good at is making Burlingame um, embrace uh, change all on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We're excited to have you with us. Thank you for downloading our show. Thank you for reaching out to us. We are happy to have you listening to us and talking about the issues here on the peninsula, here on the Bay. And today's episode, we actually have an exclusive interview as part of our Mayor Series here on the peninsula, an exclusive interview with Burlingame Mayor Michael Brownrigg. And... We are happy to really present this. And so, Patrick, you were there. You talked to Michael. Maybe you can give us a little history about Burlingame and just a really history about Michael. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about Burlingame at first. The uh, city of Burlingame uh, was named after Anson Burlingame. Um, and Burlingame is known as the city of the trees due to the nu- numerous eucalyptus groves. Burlingame is, has high residential quality of life. Um, their population probably is around a, a little over 30,000. Um and the San Francisco of Burlingame situated was owned by William Davis married Howard. Howard had planted many trees in the property and, and retired to live on the land. However, he died in 1856, and the land was sold to William C. Ralston, a prominent uh, prominent banker. And in 1868, uh, Ralston named the land after his friend Anson Burlingame. He happened to also be the United States ambassador to China, and that was during Abraham Lincoln's time, so we get a little history on that. After the 1906 earthquake, uh, hundreds of lots in Burlingame were sold to people looking for new homes, and the town of Burlingame was incorporated in 1908 um, and is now known as the Eastern Edition neighborhood of Burlingame. 
Burlingame is known as the city of the trees due to over 18,000 public trees within the city. Uh, the 1908 Burlingame recorded trustees passed the ordinance prohibiting cutting and injuring or destroying trees. And the city has many parks and a eucalyptus tree. So uh, it's close to Caltrain's. Uh, you can get BART, uh, BART by uh, going to um, Millbrae. Um, we had the honor of interviewing Michael Brownrigg. Uh, he's um, an East Coast kind of guy. Um, he also is from a, a diplomat's family. He worked under Clinton, and he also worked under the two Bushes. Um, you might want to reach out to him, find out a little bit more what he did, but he was kind of a foreign diplomat. Um, I was honored to interview him. He's quite the gentleman. Um and he was willing to bring forth what it is to be a public servant. Um, he realizes that, inter, you know, working um, on the Senate level or the federal level, that sometimes you don't get things done. He was he was enjoying the politics. Uh, he's been on the council, I think, about eight years. This is his first time as mayor. Uh, they rotate the chair. Uh, some of the controversial issues in, in Burlingame was rent control. Rent control was brought up quite a few times, but that has been a dying issue. Uh, the city of Burlingame had some newspaper information talking about a, uh, a subsidized rent. Uh, after talking to Michael Brownrigg, it really is some something for somebody that may be in a crisis or in between that doesn't have a quite enough to make their rent before they move on to another location. Uh, wasn't totally clear about what that is. Um, we also discussed about the Burlingame Post Office. The Burlingame Post Office was bought uh, a couple of years ago. It's a nice piece of property. It sounds like they're going to do a mixed-use situation, maybe focus on the senior citizens. We talked a little bit about workforce housing. Um, again, in Burlingame, there is no percentage of affordable housing. Uh, they go by project by project. Uh, they are very caring about their seniors. We also discussed uh, what's happening with the old Burlingame Theater, which is off 101. Uh, and that sounds like that is in the developmental stage and that it's going to be developed and you're going to have mixed-use situation with retail and office. I, I'm not sure on how the traffic's going to be there, um, but they're doing pretty good with it. Also, I was speaking to Michael um, about the improvements that they had on Burlingame Avenue. I think we're all aware of those, the wider sidewalks. Um, uh, the nice parking that's available there. Now they've encouraged the shops to go ahead and be able to have their tables and chairs out there because the sidewalks have been expanded. We talked about Broadway. They're trying to give a little kickstart to, to Broadway because uh, Broadway kind of looks like the orphan child, so to speak, when, you, when in comparison going down Burlingame Avenue. Uh, we talked about transportation. We talked about housing. We talked about workforce housing. We distinguished what workforce housing is and um, what is first-time homebuyer uh, housing too. Um, it, it's it's really a good to listen to Michael. Uh, it was an honor to interview him. And uh, Andre, did you have any questions you you might want to ask me that I um, may have overlooked? I don't think I have any particular questions, but I do want to say that I. I've always enjoyed Burlingame. I think most people and, fa and families, they enjoy going to the Burlingame Avenue, right? Copenhagen Bakery is a, just a, a great place um, for breakfast. And, and you, know, uh, you know, there's a great Mediterranean place there, Burmese food. I mean, Burlingame Avenue is really has always been a center place for, uh, you know, just the holiday family gatherings. We, we go out there and kind of just, uh, you know, really enjoy the nice day. 
great parks there. Uh, the eucalyptus trees you bring up. Um, so anyways, um, I don't really have anything particular, but I am excited to hear the interview. And I think we'll go ahead and uh, bring that forth to the people right now and get, get to the interview with uh, Michael Brownrig. And yeah, we, we do appreciate his time and, and for reaching out. And as far as uh, meeting with uh, podcast by the Bay, we, we, we do appreciate that. And so, yeah. And so we're just as part of our mayor series on the peninsula uh, once again. And if you got any questions, you got any feedback, please reach out to us. Please send us an email podcast by the Bay at gmail.com. You can visit our website podcast by the Bay.com and also on our Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the Bay. You can find us on uh, all the podcast sites that you can download our show. And yeah, we look forward to this hearing from you and for reaching out. So with that, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time a podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Well, it's uh, Thursday, and it's the 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. I'm here in, with Podcast by the Bay, and we have the honor of interviewing Michael Brownrigg. He's the uh, new mayor of the city of Burlingame. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Thank you very much, Patrick. Well, Michael, a lot of our viewers out there don't know your background, so why don't you give us a little background of who you are? Uh, well, briefly, um, I... After graduating, I went into the Foreign Service and served the country in Syria, uh, then back in Washington, D.C., and was part of the White House at one point, and then went out to Hong Kong. Um, and most of my career was spent negotiating trade agreements. And then um, I had this view after 12 or 13 years in the Foreign Service that there was a lot of great work being done, but too many people in government who had no idea how the private sector worked. And so I had an opportunity to join a venture capital firm here in California, and that's what I did. Uh, moved to Burlingame in 1997. We moved here for the schools, like a lot of young families. Fell in love with the city and the charm and the parks and the safety and just the whole quality of life here in Burlingame, um, and became a huge fan. Uh, a friend of mine said, you ought to try for the planning commission, which I did. Didn't expect to get selected, but I was, and was on planning commission for eight years, which is a great way I think to learn about a city because it's all about land use and you recognize even if all you're doing is deciding the pitch of a garage uh, roof, that matters a lot to the homeowner and to the neighbor. And so you were making decisions, sometimes not always popular ones, that would really affect people. And, and uh, I've always enjoyed public service. And then in um, 2009, people said, well, you've been doing a great job. Why don't you run for council? So I did. And that's how I got here. Wow. Congratulations. How long have you been on the council now? So I ran in 2009, and we are a conservative town. And I was told, don't expect to win because the three incumbents were all running for their seats. But I worked really hard, and I was elected in 2009. What, what, what do you think the key to your successful campaign was? I think it was twofold. Um, I think I had a positive message, and that was, uh, do you, of course, remember 2009. It was a, a bleak period financially. And so one point I made was uh, I have a very strong financial background. I'd been in venture capital. I'd negotiated trade agreements. I knew my way around a balance sheet. And wouldn't you like to have somebody on council who understands finance? Because at the time, the backgrounds of the council members really wasn't that. Um, it's changed since then, but at the time. And then the other thing, quite honestly, because, you know, we are just the top three vote-getters, I could go up to every door and say, well, they're all wonderful people, but wouldn't you like to have one new voice up there, one fresh voice? 
And I think I was a lot of people's third votes. I think a lot of people picked the two they liked the best and then said, but you know what, let's give this new guy. And I think I got a lot of third votes, but they all add up. Well, congratulations in that. So that means you're, you, how long have you served now? So I'm in my, I just was reelected to my third term. So I'm in my ninth year. This is my second time being mayor. We're a civilized little town. We just take turns being mayor. I joke that if you live long enough in Burlingame, you become mayor. So, so you kind of rotate it? It's, a, it's actually by ordinance we rotate it. There's no mucking about. There's no politicking. I actually think it's, I respect other cities do it differently, and that's their decision. But I think this is a really smart way to do it. I can explain why if you're interested. Yeah, why don't you explain to the public? Well, I'll, so... Um, interestingly, when I was first elected, I had a misunderstanding of what it would be like to be a council member. So where, where I learned about public service in Washington, D.C., when the elected officials came to town, they were the big bosses. And the, and the question you would ask if you were a government employee or you were a staffer, you'd be like, well, Mr. Sullivan, what would you like to do today? Would you like to protect a park? Would you like to pass a law? Do you want to roll back? What would you like to do? What's your agenda, sir? Um, and I kind of had that point of view that if you were an elected official. But at this level of government, which is really the kind of the baby pool of government, um, the council members are not like that. They're not, they don't, we don't have staff. We're really, the metaphor is much more like a board of directors. So you have a CEO, that's the city manager, and then you have a board of directors. And the board gives guidance and the board is important and the board can hire and fire the CEO, but the board does not have staff and the board is not there to tell the vice president of sales, or in this case, the director of public works, how to do their job. Um, so it's more of an advisory role. That being the case, I think council has much less power than we sometimes imply we do. And the only way we have any power is if at least three of us believe something is the right way to do it. And so it does not behoove you if you care about getting something done. If all you want to do is cut ribbons and preside over meetings and look like a big shot, well, that's easy. You can do all that. But if you actually want to get something done and make the city better, um, then you have to work together with your colleagues, because you have to get at least two other votes, if not more, to get something done. And if you, in the meantime, have gone through some silly debate about who should be mayor, who should be vice mayor, who should do this, who should do that, and you're at each other's throats over these really meaningless distinctions, you haven't built power. And to be honest, and I say this with great warmth, the people who benefit in that context are staff. It then winds up being staff who's running the city, and the council is just a sideshow. So I'm, I am really committed to making sure council, our council can be effective and is effective. And we do that by being civil. And we do that by working together, even if we don't always agree. And I like that we don't then have this debate as to who should be mayor. Well, well Michael, I, I, I share in that same belief. I know that uh, certain cities like Milbray and Redwood City uh, so, but I think what you're talking about is a much more civilized approach towards that. And I, I like to I, think so. You know, I, I'm 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 excited to hear that. Um, you know, I wanted to get into uh, capital improvements. I think Burlingame has done a bang up job on Burlingame Avenue with Thank the you. sidewalks yeah, and very proud the park. Of that I'm proud of it too. As I mentioned earlier, I opened my first business, Liberty Realty, in, in, on, down on Primrose, actually the same street, 1986. Oh, right. I'm proud to do that, but I had to move out because the rents got high. Um, 
Why don't we talk about capital improvements? I know we had the uh, the funds taken away by the state, so we're now kind of scrambling with our proposed budgetary budget, meaning you have so much for the rec center and so much for the street improvements. What's happening in Burlingame now? Well, uh, for one, I think, and like many cities, uh, 2009 was a real wake-up call for uh, managing our finances. And um, we have taken a lot of steps so I'm going to get to capital improvements, but we've taken a lot of steps to also help our operating expenses. We've changed the way we did health care. Uh, we have um, renegotiated contracts. And um, we, I think, have done the responsible thing by starting to put additional capital into the pension liabilities. Well, that was, my, that was my next question. That's great. That's great news. to do. So you kind of allocated it. I'm just well, guessing. Well, you allocated a little bit more money right. to to the retirement and maybe a little bit less to the, the participation in the health care. Right, exactly. That's okay. exactly right. And in fact, we're so like my dad said, you know, when you're in a hole, the first thing you do is stop digging. So we've stopped digging. We changed some of the contract terms, those that we could. Uh, and then we've started putting additional funds into the reserves for pensions and health. And so we will leave a much healthier balance sheet than we found in 2009. Um, it also meant that we have been we have tried to be creative to leverage public dollars. So Burlingame Avenue, which um, thank you so much for complimenting it, we're very proud of the way it looks, was a partnership between the city and the landowners. And our view was we think Burlingame Avenue will be a better shopping experience, will be more valuable if we change the sidewalks from those uh, sort of seven feet sidewalks they used to be to the twelve foot sidewalks they are now. The nice broad sidewalks. They're beautiful. They Thank really you. are. Well, I, I mean, mean, and it's yeah. had the exact effect that we expect. We hoped it would, which is it encourages people to walk. The restaurants are spilling out onto the street like you're in a Parisian boulevard somewhere. Uh, people don't mind pausing. There's plenty of room for the dogs to get by. Um, but and so our view was that was a good thing to do but our view was also if it's a good thing it's going to help the landowners the people who actually own the buildings so they should chip in and so we went to them and said we think this is a good idea what do you think and they talked about it and they said yeah we think it's a good idea too we go well then you need to be part of the investment of this upgrade and they were so we wound up doing about rough numbers a third from our own uh, capital improvement budget because we had to tear up the road for the uh, sewer and water pipes we did a third from parking fees, and then the uh, landowners did about a third. Any so, plans for any plans for Broadway? I know obviously Broadway was one of the main themes for a long time, and that's kind of been the kind of forgotten child, so to speak. Well, we don't think of it that way. We love Broadway just like one loves all of one's kids the same. We all love Broadway. It is not going to be Burlingame Avenue. It's not going to have um, big box retail or not big box, but big brand retail. Um, and while we would be, you know, we could look at doing the same thing with the sidewalks, I think there you would lose more parking. So Broadway is always going to be a neighborhood asset and a neighborhood place where you walk to the green grocers, you walk to the great little restaurants. We are doing um, what we can. So we've increased, for example, street cleaning. We're trying to improve the way it looks. We've added additional crosswalks to and safety features. Uh, we have actually put in one of the, um, or we will soon be putting in one of the leading um, EV charging stations just off of Broadway to help pull people there. I would say that the new Broadway overpass, which is thanks to a contribution by the city, but mostly by Caltrans, 
also will help pull more um, energy in from the hotel. So I think Broadway, it's important that Broadway, you know, it's not Burlingame Avenue, but that doesn't make it uh, a stepchild. It just makes it different. And I think it's always going to be like that. You know, one thing I know, I remember when I had my business in, in uh, Burlingame, and I think it's still the same policy. Um, do they still have a policy on the limitation of restaurants and nail salons and stuff? Um, and I know that I remember, recall, when they put that in place, I thought that was a very smart business decision. So we changed that, actually, partly as um, in listening to the requests of landowners on Broadway. And um, actually, at our initiative about three years ago, we lifted the moratorium or the quota on restaurants. And our view was that initially it had been put in place so that it didn't just become all restaurants, but that what that had the effect of doing was then bidding up the prices of the existing restaurant uh, owners because they were the only place you could have a restaurant. And, you know, a little competition's not a bad thing. And so we got rid of that moratorium. There is still a feeling that we have in all of our commercial districts that we want a lively pedestrian experience. You know, we all have to, all of our downtowns have to compete with Amazon. And so to compete with Amazon, we have to give people a reason to come. And that's one reason we made the investment in Burlingame Avenue. Make it beautiful. Make people just want to walk even if they don't have a destination. Uh, the same with Broadway. We needed to make sure that the restaurants were new, that they were turning over, that there were reasons to go to Broadway. Um, but when you say that, we also have a view that medical office and that kind of office space is a pedestrian killer pedestrian interest killer. So we want to make sure we strike the right balance in what we allow to be in our primary shopping districts Okay, on you, the ground floor. Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, transportation. I wanted to kind of compliment you guys are working diligently, from what I understand, on some bike paths. You want to talk a little bit about the bike paths we, or the goals with the bike paths? Well, you know, we are really committed to trying to make Burlingame easier for cyclists. Um, and so you may have noticed, if you've been walking around, Patrick, these uh, bright green bikes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a bike share program that we just introduced about a month and a half ago called Lime Bike. Uh, for a buck, you can get on the, the bike and bike home or bike to the grocery or wherever, and you can leave it wherever you like. It's, without a, it's, it's called dockless. You can just leave the bike. It's gps tagged and so forth. Um, we are trying to improve our street safety for cyclists. So if you go over to Carolyn, which is the road uh, parallel to the railroad tracks on the other side of California, you drive on that road on your way home and you'll see what a road diet is like. So that used to be four lanes, two lanes in both directions. Mm -hmm. People used to drive very fast. We now have one lane in both directions with a middle turn lane and have created dedicated bike lanes. It's a great example of, I think, how you can take a street. You don't actually impose. It doesn't reduce the amount of cars that go on it. It just reduces their speed a little bit, and that makes it safe for cyclists. And I think we're going to look hard at California to see if that might be a place to look for that, too, because then you can create protected bike lanes or at least dedicated bike lanes, and that really helps for cyclists. Well, you've answered a question that I didn't know. I always saw those line bikes and people look like they abandoned them. Right. Um, so now you've answered that for me. They, did, they didn't abandon them. They just left them what, there. Wasn't and just, they, they wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't just you. It was like half the people on next door. I think, think they're all <laughs> abandoned. But no, they're meant to be there. And if they, let me just say to your listeners, if they stay in front of your house for more than a couple of days, the company is supposed to come pick them up 
And there's even a phone number on the bike that you can call the company. Well, I, I like the color of the bikes. Me I, too. Yeah, very, I, th- very I think fun. they're sharp. Yeah. Um, going back on the transportation, mm-hmm. the, the city of uh, Foster City and the city of San Mateo uh, for a while did a contract with a company called Scoop. Um, and I think they're working with another organization called Bay Area Commute.org, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, has, have you guys worked with any? You know, Scoop's uh, method was, so to speak, was really subsidizing or trying to create carpools with, with you know, uh, consumers or with employees. Yeah. Uh, have you guys worked at any programs like that? or? You know, when we, <clears throat> when we think about ways to improve public transit and being more efficient with public transit, I think our, we naturally tend to look at our shuttle system and how can we improve that. Um, we are looking at a significant increase in employment on the Bayside. The Bayside is a really important part of our economic engine. Just as, a, as an aside, Patrick, we are blessed with having roughly 3,700 hotel rooms in the city of Burlingame, more than the city of San Francisco. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Over, for those, if you think yeah. about it, since we run at about 90% occupancy rate, the equivalent of about 10% of our population lives over on the Bayside. We just don't know it. Okay. Um, with that, with that, that kind of leads into another question that I would have. What's on the the books? I've read a little bit about what's happening out there near near the theaters. Um, is there anything that's formally been approved to oh, go out there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's very exciting what's happening on the Bayside. I think I think our Bayside is going to be an incredibly dynamic space for the next twenty years. So we are we will have 800,000 square feet of Class A office space on the south end of the Bayside. That'll come online in about a year and a half. Uh, we have a tech center that's been proposed. We have another 400-room hotel that's been approved. Uh, I think we're going to see a big increase in um, upgrades to office space. We have a new little high school over there that I'm excited about. And there's an opportunity if our friends at the state land bureaucracy will cooperate with us to create a beautiful new park and open space for the people of Burlingame and the people of San Mateo County uh, over there. So I think, I think the Bayside's a very exciting part You know, of I think future. everybody's going to be happy. It's been so underused, uh, kind well, of like know, an abandoned property. You know, for decades, the entire Bay Area turned its back on the Bay. The Bay was where you put the landfill, where you put the water treatment. It was... And now we're, all of us, I think, certainly Burlingame, recognizing we should embrace the Bay, that it's this beautiful asset, and we should enjoy it. So we have recreation over there. We have hotels over there. We ha- we're going to have amazing office space over there. It's going to be fantastic. And to your earlier question, that's why I think we want to make sure we have a robust shuttle system so people can get off of BART, get off of Caltrain, and get over to the Bayside easily without getting in a car. Now, with that said, is, is this going to be subsidized by the city of Burlingame, or are you going to work with the employers? or what, so, What's your method here? Yeah, so to be determined is the true okay. answer to that, Patrick. Uh, but certainly when it comes to the um, new employment that's going to go over there, we envision the employers being big supporters of this because they don't want – you know, their their employees are more productive if they can take public transit, not have to mess around with 101 and all the rest of it, and get a shuttle over to the office. So we definitely would ask employers to help. Uh, there are various grants that the county makes available for this kind of public transit, and the the passengers themselves can pay a fee. Well, we're I was told that the uh, ridership for the uh, Sam Trams was down. Uh, but what, that understanding, I kind of looked at it and said, you know, that kind of makes sense. 
What's happening as you're ex- we are experiencing in Foster City, whether it's it's going to be uh, Illumina or it's going to be a biotech company or it's Visa or whether it's Google or Apple or Facebook, they're all doing shuttles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we probably need to get a better handle on that. But I, I feel that there's less cars on the road, even though we still have a, a traffic problem. Going into the traffic issue, is Broadway complete now, or is we still the Broadway overpass? It's is complete. It complete. It's complete. We're still looking at you know ways to possibly tweak some of the striping, some of the lighting, but the infrastructure is complete. It's beautiful, and and, Thank and, you. and it was one thing that I think a, a lot of us consumers are trouble. What are they doing here? How are we going to get off here? Of course, right. we're experiencing that same thing on ninety two. Yes, um, I did talk with. Uh, with Kevin Mullins, and that's on a uh, going to be on another podcast, so we can talk about that too. Well, I'll tell you, no sooner did we complete the Broadway overpass of 101 when we started turning to a much larger and, frankly, even more complicated project, which is the Broadway grade separation for Caltrain. So uh, the bad news is that that intersection, that where Caltrain crosses Broadway and mm-hmm. Burlingame has now been rated the most dangerous train intersection in the state. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we really have to do something about that. We have a design on paper. We're going through the engineering of it, um, and we're trying to get it to a point where we can start trying to collectively find the capital. But that is a very expensive project. Did, wasn't it about a year ago we lost uh, a young person that was either... It's we That's happened periodically. Cars get hit right. on the tracks. They get stuck on the tracks. It's not a good intersection, and, and uh, while we all look forward to more frequency from Caltrain and electric, electrification, that just makes an intersection like Broadway all the more tricky and potentially dangerous. Okay, um, do you have any opinion on how far BART really should go and if we should get BART you know, all the way down the peninsula? I don't have, I don't have an informed opinion on that, Patrick. Um, I've... I've long thought as somebody who grew up in the Bay Area originally that it would make sense for it to ring the Bay, but it's super expensive, and I don't believe I really have an informed opinion as to what the best way to do it is. Now, as we all realize in our our transportation, the way we do it, we we don't have a transportation district, okay, which the only thing close to consolidating or working things is the Clipper card. Um, I've attended a, quite a few different seminars on transportation, and I know Caltrain's and Samtram and BART or whatever, they're all fighting for that federal and state tax dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's going to be a day that we see, or do you think it's it's possible that we should really consolidate and have a transit district? Because it appears that we're all independently trying to solve the transportation issue. Well, so I think there's two different questions wrapped up in there. One is, should we have a consolidated card where you can go seamlessly from one form of public transit to another? That strikes me as a no-brainer. Of course, the answer is you should. Um, Having said that, uh, you know, um, transit agencies have a hard time simply maintaining cars and maintaining uh, equipment without going to the, what they view as the expense of upgrading all their IT and all their card reading machines so that they can be compatible. It's not their highest priority. I think it's a great priority for customers. I think it would make for more usage. But when they look at how they want to spend money and they have cars that are uh, old and tired and potentially dangerous, it's not always their highest priority. So I just note that in terms of a transit district, 
if what you are asking is whether there should be a single taxable authority, you know, I think we're starting to go down that road. Uh, Kevin Mullen has talked about allowing for a greater uh, tax, you know, being able to tax more counties to help support mutual infrastructure. Um, I think we all have to be careful of not overtaxing our our uh, residents. I mean, it's an expensive place to live already, and every tax is another uh, layer. But on the other hand, you have to invest. I mean, if you're a business, you have to invest in new equipment, and uh, that's you, – you can't um, – you know, it's like a bicycle. You don't keep pedaling. You Eventually, you fall over. And so, you know, I think that's – I think I – I think we do need to get to a common view. I, it's challenging because people's priorities are not all the same. What do you think of the uh, partnership um, in Menlo Park and um, with the Facebook and working on the Dumbarton Bridge? So I think it is absolutely great. First of all, I praise Facebook for go- entering into these conversations. I think a lot of these large employers are beginning to realize uh, that they need to give Back. They need to reinvest. Um, there is a huge uptick in productivity for employers if their employees can get to work in a way that doesn't exhaust them and where they can focus. And there's a lot of research showing how much more productive people are when they work at headquarters as opposed to in an off-site office. So it's definitely in their commercial interest to make it easier for employees to get to headquarters and work. As a result, they should lean into, and, and that's why I salute Facebook for doing this, lean into how can they help with transportation upgrades, how can they help with affordable housing projects, how can they help us be better communities so that their employees can get to work in a healthy, happy manner. Well, you share one of the, uh, uh, the highest-priced zip codes besides Atherton. Atherton's number one. I think Burlingame rates pretty close. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit about housing. Um, um, one of the more controversial uh, pieces of property that I'm hearing or reading about, maybe you can enlighten me and in the public, um, is where the old post office is. Mm-hmm. What's happening there? So um, the post office was put up for sale by the U.S. Post Office, Uh, In the old days, um, a city like ours would have had the opportunity to make a sweetheart bid and control what would have been seen as a public asset, but those days are long gone. When the Congress told the post office they had to pay for themselves, they they became much more ruthless in how they disposed of property, for better or for worse. So they put it out for bid, and private um, owners bought it at a much higher price than was estimated. and they are now, we are now talking to those uh, owners because there may be a pretty cool opportunity to put the post office together with the public parking lot adjacent to it and um, put the public parking underground and then with the public open space create a public square and then on the rest of the site have retail on the ground floor and housing above. And so... I am uh, cautiously excited about the opportunity to create an infill town square. Like, I don't think too many cities of our age create town squares at this point in their lives, but we have that opportunity. So I think that's exciting. Well, it's kind of unique out there in Foster City. We don't have a downtown, but we tried to do the town center that we that we have now that we're trying to build up. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, to, along that uh, housing uh, development, how much does Burlingame have a 15% or 20% uh, 
below market rate or affordable housing. What's your policy here in Burlingame? So we don't have a policy. And actually, that's a conversation that I want to make sure we have this year is what kind of policy should we uh, should we try to have to encourage affordable housing? Uh, we are, I'm proud of um, a project that is in development right now where the city council has taken two at-grade parking lots. Uh, we're working with an affordable housing director to put 130 units of affordable housing on one of them, half for seniors, half for workforce families, and on the other public parking lot to build a parking structure to replace the parking loss. So you, you brought up a good discussion, and I kind of want, I'm just going to kind of dovetail with an example. Sure. Foster City's been uh, uh, in the planning stages, they had a commercial zone property on uh, now the, the, uh, the, owner has come back to to do uh, uh, basically bring it into housing and he's offered to do some workforce housing. Mm -hmm. Now you used the word just a few minutes ago, workforce housing. Yep. Has Burlingame established what workforce housing means? Now the buzzword sim simple I would say police officers, firefighters, or maybe teachers maybe bankers. I don't know. Have you guys have a definition? Because we're still grappling with it in Foster City. So I've learned a lot more about this than I used to know a year ago. Um, so our affordable housing project uh, that we have now sent into the Planning Commission is designed for people making up to 60% of area median income. So those are people making up to about $60,000, $65,000. So that actually is below by and large, below the price of a teacher or a policeman or a fireman. What I would, what I, the term I like uh, for that segment is essential housing. It's also affordable, but it's for essential personnel. That's the kind of from 60% of area median income to about 120%. That is a big gap in our market, and we need to address that, I think. Um, and so that's to make sure our teachers have places to be, to make sure our police, you know, not in our community, thank goodness, but there are other communities nearby here where policemen are sleeping in their cars because they don't want to drive the three hours home because they have an early court date the next day. I mean, imagine that, you know, and so it doesn't take very much imagination. If you live here on the peninsula, let me say this, and I'll be blunt with your, li with your listeners. If you live here on the peninsula and you don't care about affordable housing, at some level you don't care about your schools and you don't care about your essential services, the people who are cutting trees, who are, who are digging out sewer pipes when they overflow, who are protecting you on the streets, because those are the folks who are getting pushed out farther and farther away, and people don't want to drive three hours, and they won't. When they have an option, they won't. So we are going to spend this year talking about how to create additional affordable housing as part of our general plan where we envision growing Burlingame. How can we create additional affordable housing? We're also going to look, Patrick, at some offbeat ideas. How do we create, how do we make it easy for one of our automobile uh, dealerships to create workforce housing up above so they can have dormitories for the guys who come in and do the servicing and stay overnight and then go home the next day like a firefighter. Could. Well, you know, I talked at, um, with the city manager and the mayor in Coma, and they own auto, or they don't own, but the, the auto row, I, I, I brought that up as a good suggested idea, and I think they're going to look at it. It's an excellent idea. Yeah. Um, what's, your, what's your position um, uh, on the funding? I'm, uh, with Talking with a few of the cities, it appears that because of maybe the last uh, real estate and market crash, 
that a lot of the cities have gotten out of funding their programs for first-time home buyers by giving the money to an organization called Heart. Mm-hmm. Are you guys working with Heart too, like some of the other cities? Yes, we are. Okay, and, w- and what's your opinion of the program, or is, are you glad that it's off the backs of the city and it's kind of on the backs of someone else? Well, we didn't have that program as a city, so it's not off of. Yeah, is this you mean like redevelopment agency type thing? Well, yeah, kind of that. Most of the individual cities, what they were doing is, is they would have uh, the the first time home buyer program in that unit. The, the, uh, they would go out and get a first loan, and then you would have a county or city back uh, second, so to speak. I don't, I can't say with 100% confidence, but I don't believe Burlingame ever had that kind of program. So, you know, basically at this point, um, and I, I believe this more and more, that this is uh, something that is almost existential. If we can't find a way to make sure essential personnel have a place to live in Burlingame or near Burlingame. Um, so we need to look for many different kinds of solutions, Patrick. And a friend of mine, I can't claim credit, but a friend of mine said there's no silver bullet for the affordable housing crisis, but there may be silver buckshot. Lots of different little solutions that together create an actual change in the fabric. Well, I like your refreshing idea. One of the successes um, that I kind of observed on the peninsula, and I got a little bit misquoted in a few years back, I call it campus ha- housing. Um, as you know, Stanford University has some properties that they have developed mm-hmm. for, for the professors. people, for, for professors. Right. College of San Mateo has done the same. Kenyatta, too. Kenyatta's done the same. Facebook is going to be doing the same. So mm-hmm. do you think that that could address some of the problem? I'll tell you what. I, like I said, silver buckshot. We need every solution. If there's a way for... Uh, our auto dealer to create some workforce housing that gives people an option, that's fantastic. If we can help our school districts create teacher housing, that's great. We need to look into more models. Uh, There's just not enough land for everyone to have a single-family home in a backyard, and not everybody wants that. Um, So we, we have to lean into all sorts of new kind of models. And certainly, I think the city of Burlingame, we're not going to say yes to just anything, but we're going to say yes to looking at pretty much anything. You guys have been written up in the paper a lot, um, and maybe for the viewers, you can clarify for me. It, it sounded like that Burlingame has a proposal or is going to be doing subsidizing rents. Um, can you kind of explain that program so we, the, the audience people don't get confused out there? Because the paper didn't give us that much. And the only thing I heard on the streets was Burlington Games is going to help subsidize rents for the people so they don't have to move out of their house. Yeah, that's an um, unfortunate mischaracterization. So we are, like many cities, looking at imposing impact fees. Uh, those impact fees will then generate uh, capital for both commercial development, and we haven't done it yet, but we're looking at residential impact fees so as new homes get created. And the notion is those fees should go toward to help mitigate some of the downsides of growth. And so we've had a couple of conversations at City Council about how to deploy that capital. What's the most effective way to do it? The fact is, um, in, you know, we may generate 3 or $4 million. If you, if you just tried to build housing, you'd build about eight units. I mean, you'd, it really doesn't go very far. So what else can we do to help people who are hanging on by their fingernails? And one of the suggestions, which I think there was a lot of support for, 
was to create an emergency fund. So if somebody has one month where they have a medical problem and they have a big medical bill, they can't make their rent, or they have some other unique event where they get one or two months behind and you can create some bridge funding for them to stay in their home, that that's a big benefit. There's a lot of evidence that shows if you, certainly if you become homeless, a lot of additional cost comes to you and comes to the society of you being homeless. So I think we are, we are willing and, and interested in looking at a kind of a emergency bridge funding. We are not in the business of subsidizing rent for the long term. That would be a fool's errand. Uh, you would just spend the money in no time and it wouldn't do much good. You've served Burlingame for, for how many years again? I'm in my ninth year. Ninth year. Um, let's look five years and ten years down the road. Um, you're pretty much going to be termed out pretty soon? We don't have term limits. Wow, that's good. That's good. So can you tell me, are you planning on staying on for a while? I, uh, you would appreciate, Patrick, as it being in the first year of my third term, um, I'm not really in the mode of figuring out what I might do four years from now. Uh, but I do have a view that um, 12 years is a good cycle and that there's lots of smart people in Burlingame. And I think I think it will be good for somebody else to probably step up. Okay, this is a time for you to brag. You've been been on this for a, doing it for a while. Tell us what you've accomplished. Um, well, I'll start with um, I haven't accomplished anything. I think we've accomplished a lot. Um, I feel really good about where our budget is. We've added to reserves over the last nine years. Uh, when I came into office, we had an $80 million unfunded health liability, and we're bleeding red ink. We've changed those health plans, and we are paying down that liability. Uh, we have put in motion this, I think, really profoundly innovative uh, affordable housing parking structure dynamic. We have the opportunity to create a town square, which I think would be fabulous for the people of Burlingame. We have an opportunity to create um, an eight-acre park out on the Bayside. So what I like and what I feel that we have been good at is making Burlingame um, embrace uh, change, uh, make our downtown more beautiful, to be to maintain the things that make us so special in our high-quality schools, our beautiful treescape, but also start to fix things that have been too long in remission are too long it, it too too long a problem so like Burlingame Avenue we finally address that in a couple weeks come back Patrick and we're going to have a very interesting discussion about how we can fix El Camino which right now is a mess it floods it's got potholes the sidewalks are appalling uh, that is a big problem and I think we're going to find a way to have a solution for that so that's the kind of thing that I'm proud of well I, I appreciate that I know I did a little research on uh, Burlingame and one of the uh, proud things that they had in the uh, Wikipedia was talking about the some 16,000 trees or yeah, something. Yeah, we're that the was city fun. of trees. City of trees. So on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, we want to thank you for serving and being a public servant and with all your creative ideas. And we look forward to hopefully to have another podcast with you again. Thanks thank again, Michael. You. Thank you, Patrick.
Wow, well thanks to Leo DeVito for that wonderful rendition of Corcovado. And now we're going to continue with some of our People on the Peninsula series where we highlight an interview with somebody we meet on the peninsula. It's a lot of fun, so check it out. I'm in uh, Half Moon Bay and it's early in the morning and I'm interviewing... My uncle from Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Are you on vacation? Yes, I am. Or we are. Uh, okay, great. Well, how does this compare to Austin, Texas? Uh, it's, it's different. I mean, Austin has its own charm. This place has its own charm. Uh, so I don't think you can do any comparisons. Okay, what, what kind of work do you do? I, I do software. I'm a software engineer. Software engineer. Are you working for a major one, or who are you work uh, for? Yes, I do work for a major one. It's a Fortune 500 company. What is it, Microsoft? No, I, I work for AMD. AMD, uh, yeah, they make all the uh, cards and yeah, stuff for yeah, the computers, and exactly. they're doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, they're doing all right. <laughs> That's excellent. So, Okay, excellent. Are you originally from India? Yes, uh, we are from India. We are from the east, so from Calcutta. Calcutta, and how, how's everybody treating you out here? Uh, every, everybody has been very kind and generous and very welcoming for for me and my family. So. Okay, why aren't you out here in Silicon Valley where everybody else is? Uh, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel Austin is a much better place to raise the family right now yes. than, than the Silicon Valley. So that, yeah. that's, that is the reason. Except with, like, including the costs of living and everything. If you take everything in mind, Austin is a much better place to live in right now. Right. Well, I can't blame you. The housing prices are a lot lower than they are out uh, here. They are lower, but Austin is growing like crazy as well. Like a lot of people from California and Silicon Valley are moving down there. So they are raising the housing prices up there as well. So. Okay, any closing words for Podcast by the Bay? Anything you want to share with us today, you're feeling? Uh, I mean, it's like a gorgeous day outside. We are happy, very happy to be here and happy to come back again very soon, I guess. Well, it's happy to interview you. Thanks Thank you. again for Podcast by the Bay. Thanks to Mayak from Austin, Texas. And now we're going to talk about some of our upcoming shows. Anyways, just moving forward, Patrick, as far as some of our mayor peninsulas, what's in the, what's in the tank for a podcast, by the way? Who do we have coming up on some of the upcoming shows? So I, I had an opportunity to uh, interview uh, Coma uh, as mayor, uh, and her name is Ray Gonzalez, a uh, very nice lady. She had uh, actually an extremely good background in art, and she had worked for the city of Coma. And the city of Coma has got about a 15,000 population. They have more people dead there. They have 1.5 million people dead uh, or buried in the cemeteries out there. We also, I also had the honor of interviewing the Half Moon Bay Mayor, Deborah Penrose, another exciting lady to speak with. Look, look forward to seeing that one uh, coming up. Also in Pacifica, I had John Keener. John Keener um, started to be, get involved in politics only because he was trying to save Highway 1 and not get it widened, and uh, he got active. Uh, he's an engineer background. He's retired. Uh, it was all good. So um, look forward to those three upcoming ones that we've interviewed. They're in our production manager's hands right now, and we want to make sure that they come out the best way they can for Podcast by the Bay. Sounds good, Patrick. And we are excited because we are hitting all the peninsula people we're actually trying to get everybody involved on the podcast by the bay because i think we do want to hear from the mayors we do want to hear from the people we do want to hear about the issues and i think that going out and talking to the people that are involved that are actually doing some of these uh projects and stuff is 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 really exciting to actually hear and really informative so we do appreciate you doing this patrick and for representing for podcast by the bay and if you guys have any feedback if you guys have any issues if you have something that's happening that you think would be relevant 
send us an email, podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, Andre, what I was uh, for our listeners out there, if there's any important question for your city and we have not interviewed your mayor, try to get those questions to us ahead of time. We would be delighted to get, approach uh, the mayor with any of the questions you may have. So please reach out to Patrick and Andre, and we'll make sure that your questions get answered. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting the rest of these uh, mayors interviewed. Sounds good. So with that, this is Andre. This is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time a podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.